going to preach from Isaiah 61. Uh, going to bring it up. And um, I guess a number of you were here. It was actually a Sunday in August when um, God started to highlight this, these two chapters to us quite pr- profoundly. Um, not just me, but a number of us. And again, that was that on that day um, when I, I just opened my Bible and I wasn't intending to open it to, to these chapters. I was trying to find Isaiah chapter 6. Um, but I just had a whole load of glittery stuff, silver glittery stuff, across both pages of the Bible. Now, that's seven or eight weeks ago now. Um, and I've been looking, you know, opening the Bible every now and then. And actually, it's still been there, but it's been fading away gradually. And normally, this stuff does, does go away because um, God doesn't want us to make, like, relics out of it or objects of worship or affection out of it. Um, so, so I thought, oh, and I just felt prompted to bring this Bible with me to preach tonight so I've just opened it again and, and again to my surprise the, the, the stuff has multiplied on my bible um don't know when but it, when, as I've opened it it's, it's there and again on um, Friday we had day school and we had a lot of, of gold glittery stuff across the lectern which has now disappeared um so, so God's on the move so um and uh, I'm Picking up a bit on from what I've done over the last two sermons, so a couple of weeks ago on the Sunday morning, then last uh, Sunday evening, and just leading on, because I, I, I'm convinced that God is doing something very profound at the moment, and <clears throat> things are happening. So there's been something that's, again, surprised me, I think surprising us. Um, <laughs> so last week I was, I was um, watching the Sunday morning meeting, oh, and, um, you know, and... and we don't take a lot of stock by how many people are viewing the YouTube channel because we don't know who it is. But actually, the number that watch it on a Sunday morning and then actually during the week, actually, people, they do their catch-up TV, a bit like iPlayer on Netflix or stuff like that. So by the time we get to the end of the week, it's normally six or seven, eight hundred people. When we had Bill Johnson, it went past a thousand marks. So that was... That was so, so, so. Um, and... Uh, but last Sunday, when I, I, I was um, just having a look before I came out, and uh, by Sunday, about five o'clock last week, we had already had 1,300 views of our Sunday morning meeting, which, which is, oh, wow, so that's surprising. I'm not quite sure. So I asked Dave Foggin if he got any explanation. And, um, you know, we're saying, is, is YouTube glitch or whatever, which is always a possibility, I guess. But um, anyway, today, uh, again, I was watching online today, and it was interesting just watching the number of live views who were on on <coughs> this morning, because um, well figures vary between probably with this at the moment 150 200 live live views on the time. Um, Steve's nodding along. Did you see what was the what was the max today, Steve? Three nine three, I think it was. <coughs> anyway, it came out actually. <laughs> so our Sunday morning meeting on YouTube now has had over four thousand views. Now I'm, I'm thinking, wow! I've been I've been texting Dave Fogg, and have you got any explanation for this? He says, no, no human explanation. So, um, and you know, barring the fact that it's some um, aberration, but I, I'm, I'm not quite sure what's happening because that's five times what we would normally have by the end of the week. We've got by before we come out. I honestly don't know what's going on. So, so, um, and I'm not trying to make more of it than it is. I'm just thinking, I'm getting surprised. Um, so God is on the move. Now, not just us, I'm sure he's doing stuff all around around the globe. And then other stuff that's been happening. It was, I think we did a fantastic job. Um, the, the team, my wife leads the team, of getting the day school up and running on Friday. And it's beautiful just to see about 60 students here, ready to worship God and give a day a week. And it was, it was great. Nice to see you there, Hulu. It was fun, wasn't it? And we get to tell the story of why we're here, and, and it's a it's a particularly um, uh, moving story as far as I'm concerned, because it's about how God has touched us and moved us through throughout the course of you know decades, basically, to get us. Oh, that's good. That, that was Liz. <laughs> that's going on the recording now, so you're you're, you're found out. <laughs> She's just checking how many how many YouTube views we've had. She is. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> she, she, I knew that. See, this is the administrator. She's just checking that I'm actually, I can read. <laughs> no, 
bad. This is funny, but it might be up to 5K by now, because actually I think if you're on your... <laughs> yeah, you've gone on and had a look, so... Anyway, I'm just... And because I've been saying God is preparing us through this particular time, which is, which is a demanding time, for things beyond our imagination. Because at the beginning of the year, he said, don't make plans because any plans you make would be too small. And that, that, so we've been talking about that this last few weeks. So when you suddenly say, things seem to be multiplying up beyond what we, <laughs> we could actually understand, you think, I think God's, God seems to be doing something and it is beyond what we would imagine. We're surprised. I think a good, good, good indication of when it's going beyond your imagination is when you're surprised. And I've been surprised, been surprised by various things in the last few weeks. Last week I talked about um, my dad and as he was passing on to glory, how I, God led me to take a blessing from him, if you like an anointing from him uh, for our family, but not just for our family, but for Eastgate and for our church family and broad, broader than that. And I'm, I'm, I'm starting to think, something's happening. And <laughs> it makes me think, I think I really do need to believe in anointing and blessing. Because um, Isaiah 61 is all about that, isn't it? Okay, so let's, let's read it. It says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. So um, I'm going to comment a bit on this. We're going to read the first five verses. And then now, remember that this is the, the passage of Scripture that Jesus picked up in, 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 the, uh, in the New Testament to refer to himself uh, when he was back... Uh, um, preaching in the synagogue, okay, so he took the scroll, and he said, this is now coming true in your, in your time, basically, so, the spirit of the Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, he sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour, and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty Boom, over we go, page. Instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair, they will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Strangers will shepherd your flocks. Foreigners will work your fields and vineyards. So, and Jesus uh, took this passage of scripture, um, I was interested what um, Mark Henley was saying this morning, that actually that, that <clears throat> Jesus wasn't quoting Isaiah, but Isaiah was quoting Jesus, so I thought, oh, <laughs> quite a nice little shift, but anyway, I thought it was quite fun. Um, so Jesus took this, and it's, it's, in, uh, um, it's in John chapter 4, <clears throat> and he applies it to himself. Now... Obviously, he applies it to himself, but later on, actually, uh, Jesus says uh, about himself and then about us. He says, as I have been sent into the world, so I send you. Okay, so I think it's therefore appropriate for us to actually say, okay, what does this mean to us? If Jesus was sent in the world and needed to be anointed in order to actually fulfill his role and function, then it's the same for us. But then the same anointing and role and function rests on his Followers, um, remember Jesus. Jesus did not uh, bring the fullness of heaven to earth. In one sense, he was the fullness of heaven to earth, but actually, the, the outworking of that he's left to his disciples. Um, sometimes people ask me, you know, in John fourteen verse twelve, it talks about anyone who has faith in Jesus will do the works he's been doing, and even greater works than these. Well, what greater works could there be than what Jesus did? That's the question I'm sometimes asking people. What greater than raising the dead? Um, uh, and there are things, things I, I think changing a nation is greater than raising the dead. Jesus actually didn't change his nation in his day. I'll tell you, raising the dead can lead to the changing of a nation, and I might tell you the story about that later on. <coughs> but, <coughs> but Jesus actually gave us the foundation upon which we could build and take hold of these things where it talks about actually cities being restored and all those sorts of things. Jesus didn't restore the city of Jerusalem more. In fact, it was destroyed in, in AD 70, wasn't it? 
So, so, but Jesus has given to us the responsibility to take on the mission that uh, he has. And for his mission, he received an anointing. And he was anointed to preach good news to the poor and bind up the brokenhearted. So um, I think it's interesting, isn't it, that with the Bible does have <clears throat> an emphasis on how we treat the poor. And it's, it's, it's something for us to, to take note of. Um, I remember back in our church history, a friend of ours called Simon Pettit preached this amazing uh, sermon about don't forget the poor, um, which actually uh, affected, I believe, and changed the whole movement of, of New Frontiers at that time and, and set us on, I think, on the beginnings of a path towards kingdom understanding. Um, and, and so uh, <clears throat> there's, there's something about this. There's the poor. Now, who's poor? Well, everyone, in one sense, because we're poor in spirit without God. So th- this applies, actually, we need to preach to everybody, but there's a, there's a sense there are people who are, that sense, physically poor, you know, financially and poor in all sorts of other ways. Actually, the, the, the God's eye is upon them in a particular way. Um, and, and Jesus said it's actually easier for a camel to go through a varnai of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of, of heaven. Why? Because actually they are... Self-dependent. Rich people tend to be self-dependent. And that's a danger for us in Western Christianity. We can become self-dependent Christians. <clears throat> and uh, because we, we, we've got resources, and we can actually find quite good human resources, actually, you know, churches can find significant amounts of human resources to get quite a lot done. <clears throat> so we can do stuff because we have significant resources, but actually we can't do... The full stuff of the kingdom with human resources, you need the resources of heaven. You need spiritual resources if you're really going to demonstrate the kingdom of earth, kingdom of heaven on earth, rather than just be doing good, good works. Good works are good, but they're not the, <coughs> not the fullness of the kingdom. So, okay, so, <coughs> just in case we wonder why I keep on looking at my phone, it's because I put my iPad to charge on, on, uh, to preach from, but then I forgot to bring it with me, so I'm now really grateful for Apple devices that actually do their sort of over. So, uh, um, so when as you go through this passage, it basically it's talking about reaching the poor. It's talking about binding up the brokenhearted. There's that sense of, of reaching out and bringing it's it's bringing wholeness to people. That, that's a sense of it's, a, it's similar to the concept of, of, of the shalom of God. Shal, the shalom of God is a, is is the well-being of God. And again, when Jesus told his disciples to go out and preach the gospel, where, where they were to go from house to house, place to place, wherever they were to enter, they were to give it their peace. So, so wherever you go, give, which was actually the shalom. We had the whole well-being of God to give away. This is what this, this passage is actually talking about. So we give away. And, and it's interesting, it says, if they don't want it, uh, just take it back and move on. It, it doesn't say take offence. It doesn't say feel persecuted. It just says you keep your peace. There's no reason for us not to have our peace. Because actually, you know, if you haven't got peace, you're very tricky to give it away. So, so one of the things that comes, I believe, with with the anointing of God is. Um, is that the whole well-being of God. And I want to explain that because what does it mean to be anointed? Well, the, the word actually means to be uh, smeared. Um, another way I, I like to think of it is marinated. Um, if you do a bit of cooking, marinate it. Why? To get the flavour in, in, into the, the substance of what's going on. But So it, it's, it's smearing. And it was an all-over smearing, not just a little bit of smearing. It's not just a, you know when we, are, we anoint people with oil? We, we tend to get a little dib of oil on the end of our finger and, and, and so try, try and make sure we put it there where it won't muck up their hair <laughs> and doesn't get too messy and you can wipe it off quite quickly because we want to be neat and tidy you don't want to muck up your hairstyle you can, don't, don't, no, no, no this little marquee on there that wasn't the way they did it in the Bible pour it over the hair down, dripping down off your beard if you've got a beard hopefully not ladies but it's a <laughs> it, <laughs> this is the picture it's not just a, a gentle dab not polite, you know. This is buckets of the stuff, and and the picture of baptism in 
Jewish history was actually a, a really um, prominent part of, of their culture. It wasn't. It was actually well known that actually it means to be fully immersed. So when you come forward um, uh, to the New Testament, John the Baptist talks about Jesus. Says actually this is the guy. He said two things of him. So he said he's he's the the Lamb of God who will. Take away the sin of the world, which is pretty important, isn't it? So it also says he's the one who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Okay, so John the Baptist summed up Jesus in this way. He's going to take away your sin and he's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. <clears throat> well, what does that mean? It means to be completely immersed in the Spirit of God and be on fire in such a way that you won't know what to do with yourself. No, I don't know. We, we, we often do it here. We, 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 we say, oh, let's, let's, let's experience the fire of God. I'm not quite sure we fully understand what we're asking for. <clears throat> but the, um, remember the story of Meshach, Shadrach and Abednego? They were immersed in fire. But who was in there with them? Jeez, they came through unscathed. So, so there's all this stuff. So I want to talk to you a bit about um, baptism and the spirit tonight. And I think that's the thing. Because when, we, when we, we apply this to ourselves, what does it mean? Well, <clears throat> baptism and the spirit is, is an outcome of Jesus' mission on planet Earth for us. <clears throat> and it's a, actually an essential foundation of our Christianity. Um, in Hebrews chapter 6, it talks about the foundations of our faith. It talks about baptisms. We have a baptism in the water and a baptism in the spirit. And actually, you find that throughout the book of Acts, actually, the baptism of the spirit on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit fell. And from then on, actually, the message and the, of the church, and the, particularly with the apostles leading it, was actually wherever they went, they made sure people were baptized in the Holy Spirit, that they had the Holy Spirit in them, not, not just had evidence of the Holy Spirit inactive through other people. Um, so what, one of the um, passages I look at in the New Testament for this is in, in Acts chapter 8, when um, Philip goes down to Samaria. And basically what's happened is, is the church has been scattered because of persecution from Jerusalem. Now, I think it's quite applicable at the moment, because I think in one sense the church feels a bit scattered at the moment. Have you felt a little bit scattered? Not, not, not in the same connection that you had. Well, that, that's what it was like in Jerusalem. They, they, they were scattered. <clears throat> now, was God worried? No, he was going to use it. Um, it's a, it was a different sort of scattering, but you know, God uses these things. But what, what, what happened was that the, it says that wherever they went, they preached the good news of Jesus. The good news of Jesus is that not only is he going to forgive you of your sins, but he's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Now, when Philip gets to Samaria, he's doing miracles and signs and wonders and this, that, and the other, and there's great joy in the whole city. There's you know, demons are flying off everywhere and getting out of people, and you know people are getting healed, and uh, the whole city's. He says eventually the whole city's full of joy. That's not a bad. That's not a bad campaign, is it? Now, what it tells you is, is that later on is Philip's an evangelist, so he's had a fantastic evangelistic campaign. What, the, what do the apostles do when they hear about it in Jerusalem? They say, actually, we better get down there. Um, <clears throat> and what's their first question when they get there? Have people received the Holy Spirit? See, there's a difference between being in a place where you witness and have evidence of the activity of the Holy Spirit and actually being filled and baptized in the Spirit yourself. And it's, it's a mistake to be in a meeting and witness it and think you just, you, you know, that's it. That's not it. That's an opportunity in to the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And so the apostles say, okay, and they, they say, they lay hands on them and they all start to, they're baptized in the Spirit and they speak in tongues. So, because with the baptism of the Spirit comes this, this, the power to enter into the supernatural realm. And I sometimes think that we, we downplay the gift of tongues. Because um, what the Bible says is actually the, the, the language of, of angels. Um, and it tells us that we can pray with our mind and we can pray with our spirit. There's nothing wrong with praying with our minds. That's what's one form. But actually there's a, a sense of praying in the spirit that, is, that has a different part to play. And um, one of the things I've been, again, talking to a lot of God, 
a lot to God about what's been going on. You know, I've been confused. I don't know about you. Trying to make make all anything. Ah, not allowed to sing. What we're we going to do? Um, well, I'll tell you what's going on. We're learning to worship in spirit. It's a crash course. <laughs> God says, whoop, ding, ding. Because if, if we have to have singing to have had a good time of worship, then there's something wrong. A good time of worship means I've glorified him, I've met with him, he's touched me, I've touched his heart, and something's happened. And what the Bible says, actually, there's a power in worshipping in the spirit. We're going to worship in spirit and truth. And I remember back a couple, two, maybe three years ago, when we had the healing school here, and we had an extraordinary time um, where we learnt to worship in spirit, because actually something just took over. And basically the uh, percussion, it just took off with percussion, and there were no words going on. Now, what you've been, please know, is, is we're working at actually a program for Sunday evenings. I think it's no, at the moment it's, it's programmed for November the 22nd. We're going to have a, an evening like that where the guys are going to come along and lead us through a worship time of, of, of learning to worship in spirit. That'd be fun. Because <clears throat> we, we, need, we need to know how to live in the spirit and from the power of the spirit. And <clears throat> uh, just as Jesus did. Um, I always think it's amazing, isn't it, that Jesus is God, always has been God, didn't stop being God on planet Earth, and yet he needed God to be fooled. He needed the Holy Spirit to come upon him. And when was he, when was he anointed with the Holy Spirit? Now, what was going on? This is his baptism. The, see, the two baptisms are really important foundations in your life. And I'm just going to tell you this. If you've not been baptized since you've been born again, you need to be. It's quite straightforward. You can have, a, you can have a, any sort of baptism before you're born again, and it can be meaningful. All right? But you need to be baptized after you're born again as a foundation for your Christian life. And then that often is linked with baptism in the Spirit. Now, it can happen the other way around. When you got to Acts chapter 10 and when um, Peter goes to Cornelius' house, God's so keen to baptize him in the Spirit, he doesn't let Peter finish his sermon. So anything could happen tonight. I might not get as far as finishing because actually God wants to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And if you've not ever been baptized with the Holy Spirit tonight, I want you to embrace this because before you leave this building, I want that to be been your experience. If you have been baptized with the Holy Spirit, you should be expecting more. Because it's not a one-off deal. Because the Bible says, be continually filled with the Spirit. That means all, at all times. So that's what we're going to do tonight. That's going to be fun. That'll be all right for you. Um, also, if you're not being born again, if there's anybody here and you don't think, I don't know what you're talking about, born again, or maybe you do, but you don't know, then again, if you want to give your life to Jesus Christ, <clears throat> then I'll urge you to do it. Now, I'm going to talk a little bit about my, myself um, and my experiences because that's the best way I can illustrate what I'm talking about. So, <clears throat> oh, Jesus wants to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. Now, um, again, Mark Henley was explaining this well this morning. But captives are people who, who are uh, not free um, because they, it's not of their own wish and, and, and um, doing. They've, they've actually been taken captive. It's happened to them. Um, but actually, sometimes being in darkness is actually a result of your own realities and your own choices. Um, and Jesus actually takes this and actually says, actually, um, uh, setting the blind free. He actually doesn't talk about darkness. He talks about the blind. So people who can't see. So actually, it's definitely got miracles involved with this. But it's, and God wants to set us free from anything that would keep us in darkness. And he also wants to set us free from any oppression that's come external to us. Does that make sense? So, so, so God will release us from external oppression, things that have maybe affected you, controlled you. You can be liberated from those things, and they have no, no longer have a hold on you. But he also wants to set you free from the stuff that's going on in your own mind and stuff, 
that's keeping you, in one sense, captive and not fully engaged with all that God has for you. Both of those things come by the power of the Holy Spirit. And it talks about to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. And um, again, I think that's something it's... I feel the favour of God. You know, I've been excited... um, by our Sunday evenings, right from when we first got back, but increasingly so. And tonight, I thought, "Whoa, you could do anything here tonight. You, <laughs> you could do anything here tonight, because God is here in a powerful way." <laughs> um, there's the, the year of the Lord's favour. Actually, when you get to the New Testament, um, Jesus doesn't talk about the next bit about Himself and the day of vengeance of our God. And that, that's worth just commenting on. Say, "Well, did, did Jesus miss something out? Is that bit finished?" No. What was going on is, is that, that Jesus' mission on planet Earth at that time was a day of the favour of God. But the day of judgment will still come. It's not untrue, it's just actually not now. And we need to be aware that, 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 that Jesus will come back. It's a really important part of, of Christian theology, the return of Jesus Christ, and that actually then everything will get judged. And we have, because I think sometimes we can, we can, well, I think there's a tendency within Christianity to, to actually push that to one side. It's really important that we preach the gospel of Jesus Christ so that people are born again and they have an eternally, a secure, secure eternal future. That when they face the judgment of Christ, they will be taken through because the judgment for their sins has already been taken or they will be all they will be looking at is, is, is the degree of reward that they've got. Christ, Christians, if you're born again, you, you will not face a judgment about your salvation or punishment. What will be assessed is, is what you've done on planet Earth and rewards. The Bible is quite clear about it. And says some people will suffer loss. It's interesting, isn't it? I, I, um, on that day, that, do you know? I'm not going to talk about this. You've got a stack of rewards waiting for you, but somehow you can diminish your stack. Now, I don't fully understand that, because I think when you get there, you won't be too worried anyway. Because <laughs> there's no sort of... So I, don't, I, I can't fully comprehend it. I'm just trying to say to the Bible, but actually what we do with our life here on planet Earth is really important. It counts. You know, the Bible says, you know, we, it was, you know it was, we are set free from our sin. Therefore, shall we just go on sinning? Does it matter? It, yes, it does. It really does. Because sin damages and it destroys. So what we do with our lives is, is really important. But what, what this, this passage of Scripture is telling us, actually, that there is a source of an anointing for us that will enable us to fulfill all that God has for us. So, that's the mainly theology bits. Um, I was born again when I was 16. Um, uh, uh, it's quite a good little one, that one. I won't say, we won't mention who that was, but another leader in Eastgate. <laughs> um I was born again when I was 16 from a non-religious background and knew nothing of the Bible, uh, had, had, had no understanding um, and was very surprised when I was born again. Also, my experience of, of church up to that point in time, and it, it was a limited experience because I didn't have to go to church, I had to go to church for Boy Scouts, church parade and that sort of stuff and it was dreadful to be honest, absolutely mind-numbingly dull, dreadful any opportunity to get out of it, I, I would, but because our family had a value on integrity, my mum said, no, if you're a Boy Scout, you've got to go. I thought, oh, goodness. So I used to find any way I could of, of not going. Um, it was just dreadful. So, so when, when I became a Christian, I knew I had to go to church. Um, I wasn't necessarily relishing the experience, but I thought, because I understood I'd been made part of something. Yeah, I'm part of the church, so it's no, you can't, you know, some people say, Christians, oh, I don't think I'll go to church. You get no choice, you're part of it. 
You know, if you're Christian, you're part of church, get on with it. And get on with it doing it well. It really drives me wild when people say, oh, I'm not doing church anymore. You don't get a choice as a Christian, you are a church. And if you don't do your bit, the rest of us have to carry your weight. <clears throat> anyway, so I ended up with this, in this nice little church. Um, and I used to go on a Sunday and they treated me well and I used to read my Bible when I was progressing. <clears throat> but one of the things I, I was absolutely certain about was I didn't want to let any of my mates know I'd become a Christian and went to church because that would have been not good. Not good for the cred. Um, it, it was, I, was, I was very, very seriously guarding that reality in, in, in my life. Um, and you need to know that I was actually pretty well known in my, my school because I was in a lot of sports teams, um, played first 15 rugby and all sorts of stuff like that. And so, so, so this really wasn't going to be good for my cred to, if, if it went out there that Peter got religion. So, so I was born again around the Easter time and I, I certainly managed to hide of, of my what's now called year 12, those days the lower sixth. Uh, I certainly managed to keep it quiet for the, for the summer term. Um, and... Again, this, this is still a mystery to me. A lot, lot, lot of me becoming a Christian is still a mystery to me, okay? Because it was so off the radar. Um, I found myself at a Christian camp in the summer with nobody I knew. It was weird. Um, but the guy who, the, who led our church was actually involved in the, the, the sort of organising of it. So he was there. But he, you know, and part of that, I knew, I knew nobody. But what I did find, I thought, man, that, I hadn't realised that there were any other teenage Christians before that. Because <laughs> uh, I was the only one in my church. I thought, I thought, I, I, thought I, think, I don't know, I thought, I thought I was one of a very rare breed. Um, <laughs> and then, then I thought, oh, there were, there were other Christian teenagers, which was obviously quite good for a Christian boy to think there were Christian girls around. So hmm. I was quite happy with this discovery. Um, but again, I, I wasn't, didn't know what to make of it because I wasn't used to being in any worship that was bigger than 12 people and 10 of them were over 60. <laughs> and that was funny. <laughs> oh, the, memories, the memories are painful coming back. The person who led worship couldn't play the piano but thought she could. And I'm not a musician but even for, to me it sounded bad. You know, it, was, it was painful. It was one of these old cheap electronic sort of synthesizer jobs. It was, it was bad. Um, <laughs> but something about, I was, I was surrounded by people who were worshipping God and it was, it, music was good. Uh, so I was trying to take all this in. And, but get, I'm trying to take it all, this is all brand new to me. I've got no idea what's going on. Up there. I'm, I'm kind of liking it. I'm kind of, I don't know what, quite what to do about it. And, um, and I was, I think it was probably the second or third evening there. Um, I was in this worship time and I didn't like singing out loud either. Because I, I, as far as I'm concerned, I can't sing. I've got a terrible musical aptitude. I, I, I'd got beyond it. I love singing now. I love when I think my voice is, is reasonably okay. But if you ask me to start a song, that's a bad idea. It definitely won't come out in the right key. Okay, Mark? So don't do it. Um, <laughs> so this was, this was going on. And all of a sudden, something happened to me. I didn't believe, and I did not know what it was. So all I could tell was I felt like I was on fire. And then this strange noise came out of my mouth, which was speaking in tongues, but I didn't know that. See, nobody told me that you would, could, should. Uh, I can't remember whether I'd read that bit of the Bible. Um, I hadn't experienced it. it you know, hadn't heard it anywhere else. So when this came out, now you've got to remember, I'm thinking... I'm trying to hide my Christianity from my mates because I don't want them to think I've gone weird. And then he thinks of me, burst out of my mouth. I think, oh my word. And then what happened was, it, it was, I, I, it was just extraordinary. I suddenly felt joy of a level that I had never experienced in my life. Now, I didn't know what was happening to me then, but what I do know subsequently, was that God baptised me in the Holy Spirit. Now, nobody laid hands on me. I didn't ask for it. It just happened. And then I started to get some of the explanations after that. Um, <laughs> what was interesting, the outcome of that, after that, was I told everybody I was a Christian. 
And it, it wasn't a deliberate choice. It just didn't stop. I thought, I was on fire. Because what the Bible says is when, when you receive the Spirit, you will receive power and you will be a witness. It's a promise. It's not a threat. And I went back to, to school for my last year at school, and the school didn't know what had hit them. This was apparently, it was interesting. So I was, I was thinking, how? I, I've got to somehow share Jesus, God, with, with, with my mates and somehow find a way of doing this. And what was interesting, I wasn't quite sure how I was going to do with this, but, but one of the RE teachers decided to set up for the sixth form of what was called a, um, a, a, a religious discussion forum. I've never had it before in our school, so I was along with that. So I was telling everybody about it. Um, when we rugby mates, the, apparently the staff room was telling everybody, you know, they were, I was a talk of the staff room that, that, that Pete Carter's got religion. Um, <laughs> and it was, it was weird. So, so what I'm telling you is uh, I know baptism of the Spirit will change you. How many of you are slightly reluctant to let people know and preach the gospel? You don't have to show me your hands. The power of the Spirit will change that. And I say, when I went to university, then no, I led, well, I would think more than 100 people to Jesus. And they were baptized in the Spirit, spoke in tongues. And I led the Christian Union. In one week, we had a mission, and we led, in one week, we led 70 people to Jesus. They baptized in the Spirit and all added to local churches. What happened? I got anointed. See, actually, before that, I wasn't anointed. I was born again. <clears throat> and I knew I was born again, but I wasn't telling anybody. After that. And also, I, didn't, I, I was not... I was happy, but I couldn't say I was filled with joy and power. It was after I was baptized in the Spirit, I started to see miracles happen. From the age of 17. Because that became my normal. Yeah. And I think that's what this is saying. It, it, this is normal Christianity. Um, Jesus wants to be so flooded with him that we overflow. And you can't help it. It says the, the measure of Jesus is pressed down and flowing over. And that's what happened to me. You know, something, something pressed its way down into my life, but it was so powerful and so much of it that I, I couldn't help but let it out. And actually, in that worship meeting, I prayed out loud for the first time because I couldn't stop myself. In, in English, you know, the, the, the tongues was... Uh, not quite sure what to make of that, so that was... It was um, I have had various moments in my life where I believe God has very specifically anointed me. And I want to talk to you a bit about that. See, anointing comes for purpose. I, said, I think I said it last week. Anointing is different to gifting. You can ask for gifts, <clears throat> which help you with your purpose. But actually, at moments, there are moments in your life when God wants to anoint you again <clears throat> for purpose. So in the Old Testament, you know, kings were anointed, you know, priests were anointed, all sorts. Of, there, there was, people were anointed for different things, different functions. And what you see here in Isaiah 61 is Jesus talks about the abundance of, of, of um, reasons that God will anoint us because of all these things. So if you actually go through it, you know, um, he talks about those who mourn, uh, you know, they can have a, there's a beauty, uh, uh, a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. Um, talks about rebuilding ancient ruins, restoring places. Um, and then it gets on, verse 5 is interesting. It's aliens will shepherd your flocks, foreigners will work your fields and vineyards. I, I wonder what that is. I say, you know what? God's got far more people who are going to work alongside us than we yet know. And I think sometimes you look around and think, who's going to do this? Well, actually, God's got that sorted. Because there are people that we don't yet know who will work alongside us. All we need to be concerned about is being faithful. So there is a purpose for anointing. And God will never leave you with a divine purpose without a divine anointing. 
And there will come moments in your life when, when you are stepping forward. And I believe this is a moment in Christian life when it's time for us to step forward into the greater things. Mark and Julia, there's a, there's a real strong anointing coming on you guys right now. Whoa. I just see you stepping forward and up into a greater level of authority in the spirit. I see a greater level of the leadership anointing come upon you right now. Father, I pray, bless them. Anoint them. Let the Spirit of God rest upon you. I remember a time when I was, um, <clears throat> I was at Stonely Bible Week and I was, in one sense, minding my own business, worshipping God. It was quite, you know, I just, it was the end of a meeting and it, you know, the closing finale song, I think a guy called C.J. Mahaney had preached. Brilliant sermon. Um, and uh, we were responding to it. And uh, there I was, and I was, um, I was actually standing on uh, <coughs> at the front because I was at the front of a row of blocks. I was on the fr- sit, sit, sitting on the front uh, front row, and at Stony Bible there were there were thousands and thousands of people there. And for health and safety, they used to tie the the chairs together with the t- t- uh, cable ties. That's, that's, so all the all the chairs were, were tightly you know, together, front and back. They were actually tied together. Um, and I was just <laughs> literally, in one sense, minding my own business, worshipping. And the power of God hit me so hard that I went through three rows of chairs and broke the cable ties en route. I was just, it was like, like lightning hit me. It, it was just boom. And I, 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 I didn't ask for it. I was just, it was, all of a sudden I found myself flying back. Jim Hunter, some people know Jim. Jim was standing next to me. He he sort of get, came with me. He got sort of caught up it, caught up in the sort of whatever you like to call it. He, he ended up sitting on my head, which was um, and Jim wasn't small and isn't small. <laughs> so so that, I remember that I was sitting on my head. <laughs> he got off thankfully, um, uh, but I, I was lost. I, I I didn't get up for three hours. And during that time. God taught me how to throw lightning, which was kind of fun. Now, how many of you have experienced that? Yeah, I can do it. Why? Because God anointed me to do it. What's, what's the point of it? It's actually the release of his power and equipping people to move in power, signs and wonders and miracles. Because we're meant to be a powerful people. Now, I'm not boasting about it. I just think, oh, I can do it. It's this hand. It's the right hand. A couple of years later, he gave me uh, the gift of healing in this hand. Now, have those been important in my life? Yeah, very important. In um, year 1995, I was heading off to Mexico, and I knew I was heading off to a really remote part of Mexico, to the poor. And basically, as a... uh, doctor and a Christian to see what we could do to help these poor people because they had no medical uh, facilities whatsoever. And also, a quarter of their kids died before the age of five from uh, unnecessarily, from amoebic dysentery. And all they needed to do to avoid that was boil their water before they drank it. It was was as simple as that. They just needed to follow a, a simple medical advice of boil the water before you drink it but they didn't bother because they were such a hopeless beaten up people they were fatalistic they completely resolve resigned themselves rather to 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 whatever came their way okay sirrah sirrah they just and and uh, but two weeks before i went there i was at a, a conference um a leaders conference and john and carolina from toronto the toronto church uh, were there and and um, basically they were asked if they would pray for me with regard to me going off to Mexico. Um, by the way, tonight I was feeling like it was a bit like actually Toronto days. That's what I could feel. In I thought, oh, there is something happening. Um, and they prayed for me for twenty minutes. One one was at my head and one was at my feet for 20 minutes non-stop and it was like I was being electrocuted for 20 minutes it was it was painful powerful it was glorious uh, 
I thought I might die. Seriously, I, it was it was that, and I, I wanted them to stop, but I didn't want them to stop. It was a really weird thing. Yeah, stop! Ah, don't stop! Ah. And, and they, after twenty minutes, they left, and I was just I was just left like a sort of damp dishcloth on on the on the, on the cloth. And, and you think, well, what was that all about? What was that all about? Well, I'll tell you, I, I, I had experienced the power of God. Two weeks later, I was in this place in Mexico. And without going into details, that's where I pray for the lad who'd been uh, paralyzed in all four limbs for 10 years. I picked him up, I put his feet on the ground, and he walked out the door. That same day was when I raised the, the, the 18-month-old girl from the dead. See, God knew what I was going into. And he wanted to anoint me for that purpose. That story has been told literally around the world now. And it's been used by many people. Without going into the the details of it, many of you know it. God wants to anoint you. So I want you to get ready to receive right now. So I'll tell you these stories, not because I want you to think that but Pete's amazing. I'm just me, but I'm an anointed me. <laughs> the Spirit of the Lord is on me, and I know he is, just as Jesus knew him. So I want you to say this, the Spirit of the Lord is on me. <laughs> wow. Okay. Let's do that again. The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners, to see the blind have their sight restored. So I want you to just, I want you to say, I'm going to be a miracle worker. I pray for the anointing of God to rest upon that right now. I pray for the release of the gift of miracles and healing in this room. Whoa! To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. To comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion. To bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. We're taking this corporately. You might say, well, there's a lot for one person to do. We're not one person, okay? So we we do this together along with the body of Christ. Wow. The oil of gladness instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called, we will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. We will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. We will renew ruined cities. Wow. If you've never been baptized in the Spirit, I'm just going to ask you to ask God to baptize you in the Spirit. If you ask, you will receive. You will become anointed and your life will be changed. If that's you, I'd just like you to to wave at me because I I want to pray for you specifically. If you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, Okay, it looks like we all have been. Good. You want more then? Okay, ask for more. Not just more quantity, but increase in level of power and authority. I want you to ask for greater levels of spiritual authority to be released in your life. Whoa! Chris, it's coming on you, my friend. That's it. Take it for you and your lovely wife. I pray for the lightning of heaven to flood upon people. I pray that, pray that they would know how to carry the power of heaven. Whoa! Yeah. Yeah, Stephen Faith, there's power coming your way right now. Chill. God is anointing you with great purpose right now. And it's more than you'd ever asked or imagined. 
But I do believe you've dared to dream it. I do believe you've dared to dream it, but actually I'm not sure you've believed the dreams. God wants to release those dreams in you and anointing you right now. This small right now. God's coming upon you. <laughs> We've done a lot, but there's a whole lot more to come. More than we've ever asked or imagined. Hey. I want you to embrace the idea of being anointed to be a, a world changer. Wow! Because what... This is another thing I want to say. You see, you're... We have a mission, which is what it outlines here. We have an anointing, but your, own mission, your mission also defines your sacrifice. See, when, when Jesus read this of himself, he knew that that wasn't just a nice walk in the park. He knew what it meant to release the captives he knew what it would require of himself was that he would lay down his life so that the captives would be set free so that the blind would see and I believe this is a call of God right now for us is will we lay down our lives for the purpose that God has upon our lives There's no longer a time for comfortable Christianity. It's a moment for radical discipleship. Whoa! I can't make that decision for you. You have to make it for yourself. Greater love has no man than this. He laid down his life for his friends.